everybody, and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we have a very special episode with a very special guest. Maya joins us from the Mayaverse here to talk with us about <laughs> uh, the harder they fall. But as in most comics and cinema fashions, uh, we are not just going to be talking about that movie. We have some other things to discuss, too. But before that, Maya, welcome. Hi, Alex. It's happy to, I'm very happy to be back on the show. It's always like the highlight of my week when <laughs> get, to, get to talk a movie so yeah thank you hey and we're and and uh, we'll talk about this at the end as well but uh the listeners should know that we've got another exciting episode coming up uh towards the end of the month uh for all of you out there i, I teased on earth mightiest weirdos that i was gonna have a special guest on the spider-man no way home episode it is maya so uh, we will be diving straight into that maya verse and uh, talking about all things spider-man on that episode uh, looking forward to it. But before we do, let's get back to the real world. And, and, and uh, I know we spend a lot of time in the MCU, but we're going we're gonna to take a step back. We're going into uh, the Netflix verse for this episode. Uh, we've got a couple movies to talk about. The first one we wanted to, to kind of discuss, uh, and again, we won't dive too deep into this, but I will say we are going to be going spoilers on uh, both The Harder They Fall, and we're also going to be talking about Passing, which is a new movie that came out from uh, Rebecca Hall. So if you haven't seen either of those movies they're on netflix they're available to watch i would highly recommend them both of them i really enjoyed uh, and i think you did as well maya am i right yes mm-hmm. perfect so yeah check those harder out if you... the harder uh, they yes. feel more so than passing but yeah still enjoyed pa- passing felt like a really and we'll, we'll dive into it right now again if you don't want to be spoiled pause this and come back you know there's not too many spoilers in these movies but uh mm-hmm. it really felt like a period piece in in a really good sense like i hadn't trying to think of the last time I saw a movie that was like that and I'm thinking maybe like Roma where Mm -hmm. you know where it's you know all filmed in black and white but even Roma was more not really in that time period but this is you know takes place in the I believe early 1900s and uh but it, it it's focused around two black women who both are passing and so I think the purpose behind the filming of it in black and white was because you know you don't look hard enough they could pass as white and mm-hmm. it's a really interesting conversation. You have, um, let me get all this in. Tessa Thompson uh, plays, and I'll get these names out here, Irene, and then Ruth Nega plays Claire, uh, who are the two kind of dual identities, I guess you could say. It was really interesting on that front. But uh, what I wanted to call out first, too, was this was written and directed by Rebecca Hall, who those of you may be familiar, <laughs> my first thing that comes to mind is she is from Godzilla versus Kong. But uh, <laughs> she's also done a ton of other things. Uh, I'm trying to think the tall man or that might have been I always confused Rebecca Hall with uh who's Justin Timberlake's wife oh um Jessica Bill yes I always confused yeah. but yeah okay she was <laughs> in Vicky Christina Barcelona which was really good she was in the prestige oh, yeah. the town uh she's been in a ton of stuff but this was I believe her first uh directing uh, yeah, this is it. This was her first, her directorial debut, her writer debut. It is based on a novel by Nella Larson, but I was just really impressed that she kind of took this up and made it. It was completely out of the blue. I had heard no hype about this movie at all, uh, but like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed it. What about you? I really liked it. I feel like there were times it was pretty slow, but I felt like it made me just really just dial in on the dialogue and it kind of reminded me you talking about like movies that it reminded you of. It kind of reminded me of Fences with yeah. uh, Denzel and Viola Davis, where it's like it's not like necessarily super action packed or anything like that, but it's like 
you know, very much a period piece. And then the dialogue and the emotion um, in those moments were really what stood out. So it was slow, but I felt like I was able to take a lot from the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, what did you think about the difference between uh, Irene, or I guess we'll just say between Tessa and Ruth, but just because, you know, as I was watching it, it, that first scene is so telling in the movie when she's in like the nice part of town, the white part of town, and Mm -hmm. uh, no one's really bothering her. I did, you know, she's got her hat low, so you can't really see her, but she's, she's passing everywhere she can in terms of buying presents and getting some things. And then she bumps into her, this old friend from school and Mm -hmm. she is full on going white. She, I mean, she is married to a white man who thinks that she's white Mm-hmm. And I, I was just fascinated by that in terms of there being, you know, two, two different types of people in that sense, too. Of, you know, she even says at one point, have you never tried to pass before? And she was like, no. Well, you know, maybe once or twice. And it was like, well, yeah, you just yeah. did just now at the beginning <laughs> right. of the movie. So mm-hmm. I, I just thought that was a fascinating way to look at it where, you know, some people are embracing it, whereas other ones are just using it to kind of benefit them as needed. Right. And I think this it was just such an interesting like dynamic because at first you almost think of like, like with Ruth's character, Claire, like almost where she was like holding a lot of the privilege. And I guess she was, cause she, you know, blonde hair, she could, she didn't have to hide behind a hat or anything like that. Almost if she was, could be a little bit more liberated. Mm-hmm. We kind of find throughout the story where it was more burdensome for her to kind of live this lie um, at least Tessa Thompson, she had the ability to turn it on and turn it off. But like Claire, she had to really commit to that. And, you know, they talked about things like being scared that her children were going to, you know, have darker skin or different hair and things like that. Um, so I think at first, I love how the like the film started with, she's saying like, so upbeat and you feel like, oh, wow, like she's really living the life, more of the lavish lifestyle. It seemed like her, and her husband were really well off, but slowly throughout the movie, you kind of just see how envious, at least that's how I interpreted, she was of Irene's life and being able to be her authentic self. Um, so I thought it was interesting, like how the movie slowly moved into you kind of seeing the, re- the harsh realities of her being able to truly pass within the society. Um, and then almost like how much she had to give up, like when they talked about like, she would never have like a a black woman be the help or she hates black people. And it was kind of like harsh to hear, but it's like, it's like, wow, you really have to say that about your own people just to be able to fit in. Um, So you can tell like a lot of the sacrifices she had to make just to kind of keep up with that. Um, So I thought that was a really interesting thing to see and unravel. Yeah, it really, it felt like a teeter totter almost because Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the movie, it's it's Irene who's incredibly jealous and when she kind of is throughout the whole movie but she's really jealous of yes. uh, Claire because she's like I want that but kind of she wants that life but at the same time it's more of just that it's at least to me it felt like she was just jealous that she could pull it off and right. she's she's got this life where she and, and again it's like she's like well she doesn't have to pretend she can completely pass and you know she doesn't have to wear a hat she's totally fine but as you realize it's like that comes at such a cost and it's a mental cost because you don't see it at the beginning it's very she's so upbeat and she's so fun and it, it's funny to see that because you can translate that to so many other things right like growing up the, the cool kid who is always a good time to be around 
was always like, I want to be like that person. But then you find out they have a terrible home life or something. And, you know, they have to do that as a coping mechanism. And so you start seeing how Claire, yeah, she's really upbeat, but she's miserable and she, you know, she's hiding it really well, but Mm -hmm. it, it gets to this point at the very end where, uh, they're having this party and uh, she and it was the, the foreshadowing was just so crazy too also I can't believe that she you know kept th- I, I get that she kept thinking that her husband was cheating on her and obviously was getting her upset because he was hanging out with her all the time but I was like this is a good man like he's a doctor he's been taking care of you he loves his kids like I don't think there's anything crazy going on and also I love seeing him too because I think the last thing I saw him in was uh, uh, Moonlight and oh was, yeah yeah mm-hmm. he was the i think yeah. he was the boyfriend in moonlight yeah and i was like oh it was so cool to see him and he yeah. had some really good uh some really good lines i really liked how he kept mm-hmm. trying to convince her like we need to just leave the country <laughs> yeah. like we need to get out of here and I that's think what i was like thing. why would it i always wonder like how black people at the time like why don't you just leave right why easier said than done yeah and yeah. i and and also like how he handled his, their sons like trying to she was trying to like hide them from the harsh realities of them being black but he was just kind of saying things like very direct being very detailed about like the horrific things that were happening in the news to other black men and it was just interesting to see you know how she was trying to shelter her kids and he was trying to expose them and I mean it's clearly and I'm assuming I don't know if they directly said it in the movie. I can't forget if she was biracial. I'm, I mean, I'm sure she is. Yeah, I don't think they um, said that. For her to like pass, but um, like kind of like the privileges she had within her relationship to kind of like, you know, kind of more side on like avoidance. And then he was kind of trying to, I guess, more like face things up front. So, because um, obviously his, and I, I mean, it's going to be interesting to talk about colorism with Harder They Fall as well. Because mm-hmm. I think there's, a lot of that in there, but um, I think a lot of times we don't think about the difference experience based on skin tone as well. Um, so that was just something that I saw within their relationship. Yeah, and you know, and it kind of went to their personality too, because I, I could see her wanting to pass and wanting to maybe be a little more light skinned, which also aligns with her not wanting to know about these horrible things that are happening to her people that she's kind of trying to disassociate with. Whereas her husband's like, I think he even says at one point too, I'm trying to remember, he says something about, I need a strong black woman or something about that, where he was like very proud of that fact. And I think that comes from him also embracing these bad parts as well of like, here's the truth that's happening right now. We need our kids to know that. And so they kind of lead into this by the very end of it of uh, they're at this party. And uh, again, her husband does the uh, uh, Claire's husband does not like black people at all. And I, I like this bit, too, where she was walking down the street and he was like, hey, how's it going? And she's like, <laughs> doesn't say a word and then just leaves. And you just see the look in his face when he realizes it. And it was just like, good, man. Good. Just like I, I was I he did such Alexander Skarsgård did just such a good job of being that terrible white guy. And, uh, but so they they have this party at the very end and, uh, Claire comes there to the party and they're heading up to this party as well. And she even says to Claire, cause she tries calling their house to tell, mm-hmm. he, she's going to tell him the truth, but she decides not to, but then she tells Claire, like, what would you even do if your husband actually found out? And she says, I would just move to Harlem. And I, I love, it, it felt like such a privileged answer. 
of her mm-hmm. just to be like, oh, you know, if if the society I'm trying to fit in with doesn't accept me, I'll just go into the society I've been trying to move away from too. And you could tell that she got mad about that too. And yeah. so there's just this boiling anger inside of her that is, it, it was just really, it's hard to explain it. Tessa does such a good job of showing it though, because it's just like little twinges in her face and stuff. But we get to this end piece where they're all at the party and uh, Claire, I believe, opens up the window. No, no, Irene opens the window. She needed some air. And so she's got this window wide open and she sees Claire's husband coming. And she's like, oh no. And so Claire's husband comes up and he basically is like confronting her. Hey, you're a liar. Like <laughs> you told me you were white and you're not white. And uh, he goes to like accost her or something but you just you see irene's hand like slowly there's a a very quick shot of her Mm -hmm. it almost looks like she's trying to push her out of the way when i first saw it and i had to rewind it i was like did she push her out the window because i thought she was pushing her because then claire falls out the window and she falls down to her death and dies and the husband's like oh like uh, what just happened and claire too was like i or irene's like i have no idea kind of what happened she's in shock what did, did she push her? I feel like she pushed her. I kind of feel like she pushed her too. Or, or it was one of those subconscious pushes where she's yeah. like, I'm trying to get you out of the way, but maybe I pushed a little too hard. Yeah. And I think honestly, Alex, like, I feel like it's the type of ending that it could be like open for interpretation. But when I debrief with my sister about this, I, granted, I did not pick up on this. My sister, and I think and she really convinced me that the fact that Irene or Claire was trying to basically like live Irene's life, like kind of trying to push up on her husband, right. have a developable relationship with her kids, going to all the same social events and things like that. So it was almost like she was trying to move in on her family and her livelihood. And Irene it was, it was so much, it was like a mix of like admiration and jealousy. And my sister actually thinks that Irene was actually attracted to Claire. Cause there's that scene, like she grabbed her hair yes, yeah. hand, and then they like looked at, like she looked at her. And I think that at that moment, she realized that Claire was trying to take over her life. And then like a mix of her like attraction, her like jealousy, admiration all these different feelings that she was like experiencing kind of hit her at once and I feel like that was enough for her to push her off the balcony but that's just my my take I forgot about that but I I was thinking that too I I think there are two times in the movie the one time you mentioned and I don't remember the other time but I was like Uh I think she's into her but it was very it was very brief and it's it's funny too when you look at it like that somebody who's not only jealous of someone else wanting someone else's life trying to pass but also possibly is struggling with their own sexual feelings. Like that's right. a lot of pent up frustration that could easily turn a little touch into a push sort right. of thing. I immediately went on Wikipedia and looked and it said that uh, he, it says he lunges towards Claire as Irene protectively puts an arm between them across Claire's pelvis. Just before John reaches her, Claire falls out the window of her death. After some hesitation, Irene slowly goes downstairs to where the other guests are speaking with the police. Upon being questioned, she insists that the fall was an accident. Brian, her husband, seems to realize the truth and comforts her as she sobs. Mm. So even here, it, it's, it doesn't imply one way or the other. So yeah, I, I would be on team she pushed her. Yeah. 
Well, I guess it's open for interpretation, but I, that's because I reminded too, because I'm like, did that hand push or was it trying to protect? Yeah. But I mean, I guess we'll never know, but. Did you ever I see think- Scary Movie 4? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a bit where they're like, keep moving. A, have you ever seen the Million Dollar Baby? Yes. Oh my. Oh where my she God. where she falls on the, yeah, the stool. On the chair. So there's yeah. a bit there's a bit in this movie where they're they're boxing, and mm-hmm. uh, it's like all as a gag. But somebody like very slowly you see a hand put a, a stool into the ring, but then that person does it <laughs> on all these other places in the ring. So like another stool shows up somewhere else, and it's just the quickest shots of a hand putting a stool, and that's what it reminded me of was just this very quick shot of a hand blocking her, you know, out the window. But yeah, okay, yeah. good. All right, so. <laughs> I, I think we're in the same spot on this. I'm, I'm glad. Like I, I gave the movie a seven out of 10, which is me. Good movie. Really good movie. Like I said, I'd really recommend it. If you're ready to move on, we can dive into Harder They Fall. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, this movie, uh, again, another movie I had zero hype for. I, I heard nothing about this film and I saw it and I saw the cast and I was just like, this is an all-star cast. I've got to see this movie. And then I was like, oh no, it's a Western. This is awesome. And so I, you know, I press play on it and I was, I, I have a, a ton of notes. And one of the notes that I had that was about right after the credits roll and we'll, we'll get to it. But I said, this movie is an experience. Like there's just, there's something about it that feels like at the very beginning of the movie that you're getting on a roller coaster and you are just being taken for a two and a half hour ride. And even on the second viewing, I was like, wow, this is just so unique it's it i have not seen a movie like this in a really long time um this is directed by uh james samuel who also same thing technically his first directorial debut he also directed the jay-z legacy short and they die by dawn which was back in 2013 he was on in the music department he i guess is a producer a music producer from london and he was on the music department for the great gatsby uh, which oh. was also with Jay-Z as well. Uh, so this was his first movie written and directed. I was blown away by that. Like, I love these newcomers that just come onto the movie scene and have such a distinct style. Like, I know if I see another one of his movies, I'll be able to tell that it's one of his. Uh, mm-hmm. Before we dive into this, what, what did you think about this movie? I absolutely adore it. I think I shared with you that this is by far the best Netflix movie that I've seen. I have I have ones I feel like Netflix doesn't put the best quality of movies. It's always like a diamond in the rough. Yes. And it's my opinion. But I really enjoyed this. The things that I didn't like about the movie were external, like outside of the movie and kind of just like all the, the stuff surrounding it. But I thought it was phenomenal. Not only did the cast like every cast member was able to like shine and like show what they're really good for um I mean Regina King just thank god like my favorite actress by far so just seeing her in this role I'm like yes to all of it um the cinematography like just how some of the shots were captured I thought were beautiful And I just loved the dialogue between the characters and also like the symbolism. And I know we're gonna go into like cross and stuff later, but um, I feel like it has a lot to say about, you know, just generational trauma and um, revenge and kind of just how a lot of this kind of goes in cycles. Um, But it was, I feel like the messages were very loud and clear. 
and everyone gave an amazing performance. I, I just can't speak any more highly about <laughs> the plot, the, the cast, everything was amazing. And then the shout out to Chadwick Boseman too on that rail car was amazing. What? He was on it? Well, yeah. So they had Bozeman on like one of the trains. Oh, no way. And so that was like to to uh, honor Chadwick Bozeman. I missed that. So. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's great. so cool. You, uh, you said something that I think is like the perfect, you know, one sentence review of this movie is loud and clear. I, <laughs> I think everything about this movie is so loud. And so like, there's no, you know, you don't have to look very far for any meaning in it. It's all right there in your face. It's so colorful. It's so bright. And it is, I mean, we're going to get into that later too with like the guns and the weapons, but it is a loud movie in, in the yeah. best way. So yeah, okay, let's, uh, let's dive in. Uh, the movie starts off real quick with this, while the events in this movie are fictional, these people existed. And I, I love this on so many levels because I, I think, again, we don't see a lot of black cinema like this. We don't see a lot of cinema like this. But mm -hmm. a lot of these characters, too, I think I didn't look up all of them, but I know like Bass Reeves is in it. A lot of these mm -hmm. characters are old time Western people as well. So not only is it the fact of like these people existed, like we matter, but also like these characters matter. They mattered at one point in time. They, they were around and existed. Maybe this happened. Maybe it didn't. But I just loved the way that they like it was such, again, a very loud statement and the way that it, it, it he, he does this a lot. The director of like it's one word and then the next word and then the next word and then it comes up and, and you see that when like the towns are coming up that he he does this very slow sort of sharing of the information which was just I thought was so cool yeah I think so too it almost remind me like the whole like one night in Miami like fictional but they're all real people and so like, right. the fact that you can kind of imagine how they would be in these different scenarios was so cool yeah. I mean, if, if we're watching a Marvel movie and no one's complaining about that fiction, like, why is this a problem? Like, <laughs> I, I would love to see more of this, of like uh, Abraham Lincoln mm -hmm. vampire hunter type of, <laughs> type right. of stuff. Uh, okay. So this, this opening sequence, I said this, this was harrowing. That was like the word that I kept, kept coming into my mind. So suspenseful. I, I've not been that jarred in my seat in a really long time for so many reasons too. I think that's why it was, you know, you've got the just the the dread that you see in them and the the sort of suspense of their dinner of like they're just mm -hmm. kind of sitting there and you're like you know what's going to happen this is the first scene of the movie but I love too that uh Idris Ilba shows up as uh Rufus Buck and mm -hmm. all you hear you don't hear much about him you see his figure when he answers the door but his hat's down just like Irene in passing and mm -hmm. all you see is the bottom of his chin and then he slowly moves it up and but then they cut it and then every single scene in this opening scene, you never see his face or you never mm -hmm. see his eyes. And mm -hmm. I think I think they made that. Obviously, they did that on purpose. But I was just like this opening scene, you know, all you need to know about Rufus Buck in this. Like it's the best kind of character development where, yeah, it's a he's a villain, but you see how much of a villain he is and in the reactions from the victims. It was mm -hmm. it, and I just I was like shaking in my seat on the first watch because I had no idea what was going to happen it was like a hostage situation and I, I was just I was terrified yeah it was it was a lot to it was very like scary <laughs> like just not knowing what's going to happen you're like there's no way they're going to just kill a child and then but you just see the, the mom and dad get killed but I think too they did a good job showing how personal it was because at first I'm like oh he's like he probably owes them money 
or um, I don't know, maybe he's just like, but he clearly recognized him. The father did. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, wow. You really felt like this is like a personal vendetta. Like this is really something that's deep rooted right from the beginning. Um, and so that's why I'm like, wow. Like, I mean, the whole time, like after that, I'm like, what caused him? Like, what could it have been? Um, and I definitely didn't predict the ending and with the relation and everything like that. But um, I think it did a really good job opening up the movie and kind of like setting the tone on who Rufus Buck is and like how he operates. Yeah. And there, I mean, the, those scenes are like seared into my mind of the, mm-hmm. the father looking at his wife and just, and just doing that. Like he, goes, he, he very slightly just not like shakes his head a little bit. Like, don't like, don't even try anything. And then when mm-hmm. he's looking at her and he just says, it's going to be okay. And I was like, oh, this is like, Oh, this is just like any other shooting scenario that you know we've all experienced as kids in school sort of thing of like you know mm-hmm. what what do you do when there's a shooter and then you know when when the little kids like screaming when he whips out the the razor blade and it was just like oh man and then you know cut to black and same thing we you cut to black and it uh you think you're going to get an intro because it's a you know you see a cross coming up on the screen and i was on the second being i was like oh this is where they you know put the harder they fall but i was like oh no this is uh, it's in tech it's salinas texas or something like that and mm-hmm. we catch up with uh the young man who is now grown uh played wonderfully by oh, uh oh man uh, yeah jonathan majors as nat uh, nat love and he just that priest comes in and it's a priest with a scorpion on his hand. Uh, it's the same guy that was there with Rufus Buck when he was a kid. And he's, you know, I don't think he recognizes him at first, but then he says, mm-hmm. why do you have a scorpion on your hand? And he's like, uh, it doesn't really explain it, but he says, why, why not? Like, uh, he's like, I could get a snake, but not a scorpion. He says, what are you doing here? He goes, I'm here to kill a scorpion. And I was like, oh, let's go. <laughs> and then, and then they do the harder they fall with the bam the heart fall and i was like oh this is just so good i was so pumped up and the blood like it felt like a tarantino movie almost yes it definitely that's a great way to describe it but it was more it to me it felt more tasteful than a tarantino movie i feel like sometimes with his it's like let's see how much blood we can give whereas this it was just like hey here's some blood but that's it like it's not about the blood but we're gonna give Mm -hmm. you a little bit of blood and i was like okay cool this movie could have been called there will be blood if (laughs) if that other one hadn't done it but yeah Yeah. i thought that what a cool opening and for it to be the villain you know the villain guy who falls it's like okay so we're getting a good sense of this guy he's uh trying he's out for revenge obviously which goes back to your kind of uh you know generational trauma in that sense too when once we you know get to the big reveal at the end which is funny because um you know and i was listening a little closer on that second viewing too and he was explaining his his roots at the end as well because i was like he's he seemed the same age at the very beginning i think the only difference with rufus was that his beard got gray like in the middle Mm-hmm. he kind of looked the exact same so i was like how much older is he than this little kid who they right. kind of just then were like okay it's the same actor but now we've got jonathan majors here so again it's a fiction so it doesn't really matter but i, I thought that was mm-hmm. interesting but once you find out the whole situation i think it could it could make sense that somebody would have you know a kid what 15 years to maybe even 20 years after the first child if they had a child young especially based on what you know uh, Rufus Buck's father was all about who I, I and we're going to get to this towards the end we'll, we'll save this conversation but it, it's interesting to talk about there, there really were two different dads 
in the movie. Yeah. And uh, I really like that conversation. But from okay. there, we get to the opening theme, which immediately, again, if I, I was already in love with this movie, and at this point I was ready to propose because we get a <laughs> we get a kid cutty intro song with Jay-Z. <laughs> and I was just like, wait so a minute, good. this is an OG soundtrack. And immediately got it on IT on Apple Music and downloaded it. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, this soundtrack was unbeatable. So good. <laughs> Yeah, it's so fresh too. And I, I loved the, again, it just felt like they were like, you know what? It, it, we've had a couple of these before, I think in terms of like, the, the best thing I can think of is like the Magnificent Seven. Cause I think wasn't Denzel Washington in that movie. I didn't see it. The the one with I, I haven't Brad. seen it. I, I don't think there's been a black Western before. Uh, mm-hmm. At least something of this where like the entire cast is black. But I really thought that this director was like, we're, we're going full bore on this. Like, we're going to make a whole soundtrack for this. Like, what would, because you get to the spot where you zoom in on like Douglas Town, and it's that sort of, it almost felt like a bohemian sort of Bob Marley type of music. But I, I'm wondering if he was thinking like, what kind of, you know, old timey music could be played in a town that isn't, you know, typical old timey music? What, what can kind of go with this theme of more of a hip hop and R&B? Again, mm-hmm. I just thought every music, show, and then they, he has a whole theme for the bad guys too, of that mm-hmm. sort of, you know, bumping like thun thun, but it's, uh, I don't, the music was just on point the entire time. So good. Oh my goodness. Uh, and then we get our, we get our first opening shot of one of the Nat Love gang members who uh, some of you may know from uh, either Laurent in Twilight or... <laughs> Or as Darwin from X-Men First Class, uh, <laughs> uh, Edie Gathigi, uh, who did a, again, just another, the, 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 he really spends so much time establishing that this is not your typical movie and certainly not your typical Western. And I love this scene where he's just sitting by the rock. He's got his gun. The horses are coming and he starts singing. And I yeah. was just like, this is great. And he's just popping the people off and oh man and then we also get an introduction to uh, uh rj seiler yes who is um, from uh, uh what is it power rangers uh but then he was also in he was in a couple of other things but i think power rangers was his big thing most people might know him for mm-hmm. i liked him a lot there was a couple he i'll just say this i did not like his character but that was because he did such a good job making me not like his character because i was just like he's the cocky kid that yeah. thinks he's all that and I, I i've never been a fan of those people and he made he made it look so good where i was just like "Ooh, that's gonna bite you in the end and i hated how it bit him in the end but i know that's... but they had to do it i was like it makes sense but i was really yeah. mad i really love though him though he was definitely like a highlight of the movie for me just oh yeah like his energy everyone was so serious and he was definitely like the comedic relief um so i think that really played well uh with the film Mm-hmm. He, he could back it up too because he's like he said something like uh, you know i'm fire with the bland blands and then he's like not <laughs> even paying attention to the guy but the guy goes to grab his gun he just whips his gun around and fires it right as at his hand he's like ah and i was like okay so he actually is really good with his gun so um right. i have a question for you on this i don't know if you noticed this and I, uh what is it nat love he always had like a cigar in his mouth or, or you know some kind of cigar in his mouth but he was also chewing a cigar this guy jim mm-hmm. but I don't think, I kept thinking, I think that's a cinnamon stick. Am I crazy? Did you catch that at all? It looked like he was chewing a piece of cinnamon. And I was like, that's really unique. Like I'd never, I I was like, that's a really cool kind of 
thing because I, ima- I imagine sucking on a cinnamon stick would probably taste mm. a little sweet maybe I, I have no idea but I was like maybe that's just a cigarette and I'm like crazy but it had like a hole it looked like a piece of cinnamon like the long sticks of cinnamon oh really so yeah. I remember growing up one of these <laughs> I used to play t-ball and I distinctly remember one of my teammates dad had like this chew stick and it looked just like it maybe so I don't know saying. if it was like a thing where he like it could be a cinnamon stick could be something that's just wrapped up like that but I've seen people like shoot like it's like a stick that's also has like tobacco in it um I don't know but that's a good call out <laughs> yeah I was just like that I guess you know because he's younger maybe he doesn't want to yeah. have like tobacco or something I was like let's uh, just a cool touch if so mm-hmm. if not I'm an idiot and and we'll move on. <laughs> you're fine uh but yeah so they the, the whole bit there and this is what I love too the, the movie's long and there, there is a spot in the movie that we'll get to where it just, it, it, it felt a little long, maybe midway mm-hmm. towards the end. But at the same time, I felt like every single thing that happens in this movie is necessary. Where like mm-hmm. every scene feeds into another scene of like this whole, really, this is really cool. We're going to see them stop these robbers, but we find out they're robbing the robbers who robbed for Rufus Buck. And you don't really find that out until a little bit later, but it was like, oh, okay. So that makes sense. So now you've got this one guy who's out for revenge and then they bring back, uh, what is it? Is it Damon Wayans or uh, uh, yeah. Damon Wayans Jr. Who plays uh, Monroe, who plays Grimes. And so they bring him back and, you know, they're interrogating him and he's like, yeah, that's Rufus Buck's money. And they're like, no, Rufus Buck is in prison. They're like, not what I hear. He's getting out. And I'm just like, oh man. And I loved at this point too, we're jumping ahead. So we need to introduce another character, uh, two characters, actually, Danielle Deadweiler as Cuffy. Yes. And uh, is Zossie Beats as Mary Fields. And uh, it's, it's funny. I had to look, I looked it up because I, I used to, I called her Zazzy. And my brother, he was like, I'm pretty sure I heard her say that her name is Zissy Bates. And I was like, I guess that makes sense. That's cool. And so before this, I was like, I'm going to Google it just to make sure it's Zossie. Z-A, like she said to pronounce it as Z-A-H-S-E-E. Zossie. It's like, where did Stevie find out Zissy Bates? I was like, right. okay, whatever. But uh, So they're, they're both in it. She is mm-hmm. kind of like the, she's the owner of this saloon. And apparently mm-hmm. she is an, she's an entrepreneur. She, she's a my fashion star for, uh, <laughs> she's owning, mul- she owns multiple saloons uh, all across, I guess, the old West. And then uh, Danielle Deadweiler is also from, uh, she plays Cuffy again. She's kind mm-hmm. of like the, muscle you could say uh, she's the the guard or she's the bouncer right and she was in Watchmen she was in two episodes of Watchmen uh That's, and I, I was I, wondering why she looked yeah, so familiar I know and I was too and I heard she played June and I don't remember who that was from the show but I was like that makes sense I remember her being in there maybe she was uh a parent or something but then she was also in gifted if you ever saw that with chris evans and uh, okay i don't remember her in it but she she was in it and i I thought both of them did a great job too i mean uh zossie just comes right out with a song banging that uh that shotgun down on the ground and sing i was like oh is this gonna be a musical but it it wasn't a musical but at the same time it's very very musically inclined and i really like that what do you think of both of them because i know there's also a little bit of uh wasn't there a little bit of a controversy around her her casting yeah 
And I would say this, I think she did a, Zassi did an amazing job. And I feel like since she had the role, she really did a good job. And I would say Cuffy, I absolutely loved her character. And I'm almost to the point where I'm like, you know, were they like, I thought so. Definitely felt like Cuffy was, you know, because like when Nat came in and she was just like, like, why are you here? Like he didn't want her to be around. Mm -hmm. And that that end scene when she says goodbye gives her a little bit, a little long of a kiss right so i'm like okay there's definitely history there um and almost that whole scene when she's singing reminded me so much of the color purple i don't know if you've seen the color purple but not no oh my gosh it was it almost felt like it was just right out of like the musical it was it was so good um but the controversy around a lot of people keep in mind stagecoach mary obviously everyone being a historical figure is a tall big dark-skinned black woman so a lot of people were like why in the hell would you cast her and also there's not that much like dark skin plus representation in any way this could have been a really like great opportunity um, to kind of showcase that character so and I, I agree with people like and nothing to like zassy but there's so many, I mean, as we can see, the Zendayas, the Mandela Steenbergs, the Yaras, the Lauren Harriers, there's so many biracial women that, and I don't, and not to their fault, doesn't speak to their acting ability that really kind of take up a lot of space for Black women roles um, to the point where, like, when you're playing a historical figure who is like a dark-skinned, bigger woman, it does raise your eyebrow, like, you know, why? But like, you take a look at a lot of black stories, they always have like, like the damsel or the most, you know, the most desired woman is always like this light skin woman. And it is very problematic. And I think when, something I really didn't appreciate when um, the director was asked about it, because he also wrote it. And he said that, well, a lot of the male, like, characters like Rufus Buck and Nat Love, I guess they were like biracial, said to be biracial, like mixed with white. Um, They're very light-skinned men. But I'm like, and he was like, well, you know, no one's complaining about them. But I mean, it's it's definitely, how, how do I say this? Um, this tropes about skin color in general. It's always the dark-skinned Black man, oh, more strong, more powerful. It's almost the opposite of like how women are portrayed. And then like the light-skinned woman is more dainty, more desirable, um, and just like these stereotypes around color. And I just think that, you know, Sassy, she is a good actress. I think she did a good job, but I felt like ultimately a dark-skinned, bigger woman should have been in that role, period. And I mean, I just, it just really makes me mad the fact that, you know, there's like how Zoe Sodana played Nia Simone I'm like, she couldn't even That's sing crazy. like, and they literally painted her skin so dark. And it's just, I, it's kind of like, I love Zendaya. I think she's an amazing actress. And she'll even say like, you know, I'm the more digestible black woman because she's biracial, she's light skin. She still has very like loose hair, like her hair is not even like 4C, like typically. And so I definitely feel like the, like the casting of uh, Zassi, I, te- I totally see why people are in uproar about it. Um, and also as like a light skin, like black woman, I think it's really important to like, um, like identify that privilege 
um, because we like, it's just crazy how so many like light-skinned women take up so many roles in like the grand scheme of things. Um, and those opportunities are rarely rewarded to a dark-skinned woman. So sorry, that was a little bit of my soapbox, but I know a lot of people, um, people can't think that I can enjoy her performance while also be disappointed in the casting. So that's kind of my perspective on it. Um, but I think overall, I think she did a good job from what we what we had. I think she did a phenomenal job, but I would have still like someone else to, to be in that role. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And I, I had no idea when I saw that there was a controversy. I did. I just saw the headline. I didn't read the article, mm -hmm. but I, I was not familiar with Stagecoach Mary and I just Googled her. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, no, I, mm -hmm. I, I think there's there's definitely some uh, worth there to be upset about uh, but yeah I, I too i thought she did a great job um at one point i was nervous that they were just making her the damsel because yeah. she kind of just shows up she's totally a badass but then <laughs> she's immediately kind of kidnapped and then she's just there for them to be to be saved yeah and, uh, again even after she gets saved um i was like okay cool but then when she uh has her little tete-a-tete -tete with regina king i was like <laughs> yes. okay so they gave her a moment to shine and i am more than okay mm -hmm. with that but yeah well and we'll get to that too so no that's a good point to bring mm -hmm. up and and i think totally valid criticism i think that's mm -hmm. that kind of goes in line too and it's it's funny when you when you peel back the layers of hollywood that there there really is so much that's still like so much work that still needs to be done uh, mm -hmm. Even though there's so much that's come, and, and I know we talked, I, I talked about this with Sarah on the Eternals episode, uh, and I may have also said this on on Brian's uh, podcast too, but just around, you know, eventually people are going to get used to this sort of stuff, right? You know, mm -hmm. a character who's deaf, no one's going to bat an eye. Two, two characters that are gay, awesome. We, you know, no one cares at this point, right? Like, that's the goal is to get to that level. And right. I think we still have a ways to go too with, with darker skinned actresses as well. It, or actors doesn't really matter, but right. it's one of those things where just put them in the role. Like you exactly. are nervous that people aren't going to care, but as long as the character is strong and people like identify with it through the storytelling, no one's going to care. They're not going to be going, Oh, I thought the skin was too dark. Like it's 2021. The people exactly. who are saying that aren't going to go see the movie anyway. So don't, right. like, don't worry about it. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so she was cool. Again, I, I really liked her song. Uh, gave me goosebumps both times that I listened to it just because, again, she's just kicking butt up there. And I love the, the, just her banging that gun. And then I loved when she met Nat as well and is, uh, you know, she gives him that kiss. And he, and then uh, I think she punches him or kicks him in the yeah. nuts or something <laughs> like that. But he's like, why'd you kiss me? And she says, to remind you of what was. And then when he gets up, she's like, and that was to remind you of what is. And I was like, oh, there's just so many lines in this movie that I wrote down that I was just like, this so, so well written in that sense of like, these quips were just so good. Mm -hmm. So good. Their dialogue was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's funny too, uh, isn't, I'm wondering where, uh, I think that may have been before or after this, but I said shooby wop diddly song because I couldn't, I didn't know what the song was, but it was the shooby wop 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 as all of the horses are running in and headed towards the train. And then all of a sudden we get that beat shooby wop 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 and it's just Regina King on a horse okay. in full blue, completely posing. I, I'll say right now, better than any superhero pose. Just sitting there on her horse, freaking Regina King can stop a train with just a look. She doesn't even have to say anything. And it she doesn't even move. And I was just like, she is an absolute goddess. And I'm she sure is. you thought the same thing. 
when I said, because that was that part was at least a part of it was in the trailer. And I'm like, that's when I knew I was going to see this movie right when it came out. I I mean, that scene oh, was beautifully shot. Everything about it was so great. <laughs> yeah, I almost, you know, it's funny. I was uh, talking with Brian. I don't know if, if any of you out there listened to uh, the uh, United We Fan. They had a recent episode about the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. And they were playing some uh, songs for a really long time. And I, I messaged Brian. I said, you paying for these songs? Like, how are you, you know, playing for this song? He said, well, the math is that, you know, I don't think a lot of, not enough people listen that I'm going to have a, uh, uh, you know, a problem. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to look up the soundtrack, see if we can get a couple songs going while we're yeah. talking, see what's <laughs> going on. But yeah, so the, and, and again, this whole thing at first you're like, okay, cool. Like, these are bad it's bad guys robbing a train cool mm-hmm. this entire scene feeds into the next scenes in the movie like this whole thing is and it's not just about getting rufus buck out of prison but there's so many other little things that are going on and just the ah uh, the introduction of cherokee bill and yes. we get that hint at the very beginning too when they're like i hear there's someone faster than you named cherokee bill and he's like well, yeah. no you know, who, who is that? And uh, we, we now see it is Lakeith Stanfield, who's another one of my favorites, mm-hmm. uh, just absolutely killing it. And, you know, oh, you know, not a fan of violence, but uh, I'm not afraid to give you a couple of quick slices in between the <laughs> legs when that guy comes out. Oh, man, just uh, OK. So and I know I know we could gush about Regina King all day as well. She did. I, I liked her uh, her voice as well. She had mm-hmm. a, a little bit of a, an accent. And I, I thought it was so cool. She's just you know, just a killer. But what do you think of Lakeith? I mean, Lakeith and Regina together was like killer. And I think Lakeith plays like just diabolical so well, like unintentionally diabolical. I think, and sometimes like a lot of the roles, like he's supposed to play like a bad guy. You just cannot stand him. And that's the same with this movie. Like, I mean, obviously he was on the other side later, but that scene charisma on a hundred I thought it was just hilarious how he was just communicating with with like the white soldiers and I mean you just didn't know what he was going to do next like is he going to kill him is he going to spare their life like what is he going to do so I felt like I was just glued to the the screen like what is he going to do everything he said and did in that scene was super captivating and oh like by far so great and I think when the train was going past, that's where the Chadwick Boseman was shown. Oh, okay. Um, during that scene, but I I loved it. Yeah, he he just had a. Not only did he have a way with words, but I, I think you really see with him especially just the nuance of a villain because mm-hmm. he he espouses that he doesn't like violence, but he's not afraid to be violent. He just doesn't mm-hmm. want to be violent, and so it was like. You know, I got this guy right here. If you don't put your guns down, we're going to shoot him. And they're like, eh. and then boom, they shoot him. And it's like, we told you, like, you weren't listening to us. He's not injured, but, you know, they're just giving him little flesh wounds. And then as, when they bust in as well, and uh, he just, you know, shoots that one guy when the guy doesn't give him an answer. And he, it's just was so cool to see them taking absolutely no nonsense from these people. And then when Regina whips out that pardon, and I was like, wait, this can't, I was like, this can't be real. But then I was like, this is from like the 1800s. They're not going to yeah. just like have a printer that prints out a, a, you know, a pardon sheet. I was like, so they pardoned Rufus Buck in order to cover their butts for this entire platoon of guys who uh, I guess killed a town of, with women and children in it to get silver. 
and yeah. oh man he's just like you know unlock the yeah. the gate oh i don't have the keys like yeah you've got the key and then yeah. oh just that whole everything with rufus buck was so good he gets out and we see another really cool uh film technique that you do not see very often but he breathes in what you would call his first breath of freedom and the entire screen actually zooms mm, in on yes. a more it felt warped it looked like and as he was breathing of like I don't know I, do, I, I don't know I again I, I I studied film for a bit but I have not seen that before and so I don't know it, mm. the exact significance of it but to me it was like it, it's a big breath on that first breath of freedom that like you're just like taking it all in and you know getting the guy to be the one to unlock his latches was so great of like he's just sitting there and then you get the great line of oh and he doesn't even say anything to them puts his head on regina king and then puts his head like just that co instant connection you're like okay these people are really close and he right. says who who here can drive the train <laughs> yeah <laughs> and not just the dumb kids like me are, all right everybody but him i was like oh my god I, oh my oh, god that was that scene was wild and i love too like regina king and idris elba's like chemistry and i feel like you know we see obviously more of a romantic quasi angle with nat and mary but like like trudy and rufus was so great super like it seemed like 100 platonic I mean, it was, I feel like that scene was really powerful because it was like, you know, you know, we see a lot of, you know, just the cowboy stuff and the beef between like Nat and Rufus and their crews, but like kind of just seeing how they kind of put like the white, like soldiers off to the side, like, and got them out of the way so early on was, was really interesting. Yeah. There isn't a single white character in this movie that lasts more than five minutes i mean that whole line that whole thing in the beginning uh when they stopped the train was really great too when he's about to yell a slur at them and she just shoots him straight straight in the head and kills him and he right. comes by and says you know he could have been saying nincompoop and she goes <laughs> i ain't no nincompoop um so from there they travel to so they go to redwood city uh which is i guess rufus buck's town now uh, but it's being run by another criminal guy who's now like the sheriff and the mayor of the town uh, I yeah. believe his name. I actually don't. Willie. Was, Willie. His, was he Grimes? Yeah, he was Grimes as well. Clyde Grimes. So I wonder if he was that was his brother. Woody McLean is the actor. Yeah, Woody. No, I think Woody was the guy who got killed in the beginning. I think the the town corrupt town guy, the guy Dion Cole playing Wiley Esco. And if I'm remembering it correctly, because I remember Woody McLean. I I know I'm obsessed with him because he played Bobby Brown in his biopic. I'm pretty sure he got killed in like the first scene. Like he was the one that Jim killed, right? Oh, Jim and okay. Bill killed. Yeah. yeah. Well then where is he? Why is he on this list? So, I yeah, name, but he's the guy with all the gold teeth. Yeah, it was, yeah, Wiley Esco. Mm -hmm. That's his name yeah. or is the actor? I think, I think that's oh, his no, yeah, name. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, Dion yeah. Cole. Yeah, Wiley he's Esco. from yeah. Blackish, yeah. Yeah, he did a good so job. Funny. Yeah, he did. That uh, um, that scene with him in when Rufus takes him out into the middle and he's like, "You want to fight me?" And you know he well, and it was funny too because he gets that cheap shot right at the beginning because he's like, you know, putting his arms up and he just immediately punches in, and then it's yeah. like, you should. You have can done tell that. you. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can tell he was like preparing for it. He's like, "What am I going to do when he walks in there?" He's trying to give him some kind of like a pep talk and stuff. 
was so funny. Yeah, uh, I will point out there was a continuity <laughs> error in that scene because every mm-hmm. close-up shot of him getting beat up, he's covered in blood and is missing some teeth. Every wide shot, not a single scratch on him, no blood on him at all, nothing. It was just a regular really? guy, and they they showed it like three times. And I was like, and I I noticed it both times. I was like, I couldn't not notice it. So hopefully you didn't. And hopefully those of you listening didn't either. But I was just like, huh, interesting. I get it. You know, they can't, he probably doesn't want to be covered in blood all the time. And they had to take different shots, but had to call it out. Uh, We then get over to, so I guess the whole bit there is he's back. Rufus Buck is back. He's running the town now. He's kicking out the old guard. Uh, But he also is missing his money because Nat Love stole his money. And so right now, and this was interesting too, uh, curious to see if you took this a different way. They get to this point where they decide that it's time to pay up and, and you know, they, they're, they're doing insurance for the town. But the way that Trudy explains it, she says that basically the government is wanting to like buy the land to sell off for other people and they are going to protect them from the government. Mm-hmm. was that a lie i felt like that was a lie but i was like that makes a lot of sense and they're actually kind of sounding like they're good guys they're just really mean about it yeah that's what i thought too because i'm like in theory that made sense right. but like the way that they were moving and obviously we just saw them like kill a bunch of people and they kind of just took control and it wasn't even any sort of like democracy i it made me question their intentions but i think that probably was the case but it was going to be more so like you all have to do whatever I say. I run this town if I get control, you know, if I get control type thing. Yeah, because, you know, she's like, I'll, we'll protect you. But if you don't pay up, we're going to burn everything that you love to the ground. And I was like, right. oh, OK. All right. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that was interesting. So that's going on on one you know portion of the West. And then in Douglas Town, uh, Bass Reeves shows up, played by uh, Delroy Lindo, mm-hmm. who uh, absolutely mm-hmm. killed it in that role. I loved seeing him again, just because of again wa- seeing Bass Reeves in Watchmen, and then seeing another kind of interpretation of him in this movie. But then also seeing Delroy Delroy Lindo, he was in Five Bloods too, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that was the last thing I'd seen in him recently. And then he also just got announced for being in Blade. So glad mm-hmm. to see that he's getting some work. I know. Oh my gosh. I, I love him. Him and Regina King are in like one of my favorite Christmas movies called This Christmas. So it's funny to see them back on screen together. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so he shows up at the saloon and uh, I love this too. Well, I guess this was a, a later bit. I'll talk about later. But so he shows up, same thing, you know, the ladies, uh, Cuffy's like, you need to put all your guns up. And he's like, I'm not doing that. Like I'm the sheriff. And mm-hmm. on my first watch, I did not see this coming. This very early twist. Uh, the second watch, it felt it, it was a lot easier to see it coming. But he goes to approach Nat because, and, and this was a great line at the very beginning of the movie when he kills the scorpion guy. He, there's a priest in the room. And he says, take this body into town. You'll get $5,000. You can use it for your church. And he's like, <laughs> he goes, why won't you take it? He says, because I'm worth 10. <laughs> right. I loved that. I was like, hell yeah. yeah that man. one was great. <laughs> so he clearly he's got a bounty on his head and so uh here comes bass reeves the uh the macho man of the west uh coming to collect uh or to capture i guess you could say and clearly wanting to capture him alive uh mm-hmm. but has a little conversation with him at the table and then they go you know what is he talking about over there and it was during that bit that he's telling him basically 
probably throw your drink on me. We got to get out of here because we need to go hunt uh, Rufus Buck. But again, did not catch this on the first viewing. And so he gets arrested and taken away. But we find out later they teamed up. So Bass Reeves and him are, and I love that. Oh, it's just so mm-hmm. good. When he takes him out, he's like, you know, you could have taken these shackles off me a while ago. He's like, I know. But uh, they, so they've got this whole plan now to uh, figure out where Rufus Buck is, or I guess they, they've found out where Rufus Buck is because they now they have some of his money. They know he's in Redwood City and they're going to go take him out mm-hmm. But before they can do that the rest of the Nat Love gang shows up. And I love that too. You get the two, two of his people and then the two, you know, the two ladies as well. So the two, mm-hmm. uh, I guess you could say the two Douglas town people. So it felt mm-hmm. like a little bit of an Avengers movie in a sense. Yeah, you've got, you've got them, you've got the cop as well who shows up, all that stuff. So <laughs> that was cool. And of course, you know, they're like, well, what do you expect? You're going to do this all on your own. It was, you know, the classic lines, but uh, so they all team up to go and we see, uh, what is it? I love this line with John. Uh, and he says, you know, oh, I'm the fastest in the West or whatnot. And Cuffy's like, I've seen faster. He's like, <laughs> where? In the mirror. <laughs> the way she, I just, I love that. It, uh, and even when she said that, I was like, I think she's probably right. But I was just, her very different between the two of them in terms of his arrogance and her confidence. Right. She can back up what she was doing. But that whole bit where she, they're like, we need to dress, you need to wear some clothes when they have to rob the bank and she gets so mad. Yes, oh my gosh, oh, man. hilarious. Yeah, but that, that's getting a little bit ahead. So they, they go there and uh, in classic fashion again, uh, Mary's like, oh, why don't I just go, I'll go and do some recon. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she has a, actually a very smart plan. Rufus mm-hmm. Buck needs money. She's going to go there and try and sell or offer to buy his uh casino there his saloon there uh, mm-hmm. and i love the way she phrased it too she's like you know your name's up on the roof and then your name inspires fear whereas my name is like very well known and you know people know they're gonna have a good time and i was like well all that adds up but then he's basically like no <laughs> we know exactly what you're doing take her away and i was just like damn it like that i know they didn't even get a chance yeah she didn't even get a chance but at the same time it was like she should have stayed they all tried to make her stay but she Mm -hmm. was like no i just want to get a lay of the land even that whole bit with her and regina was great too because what does she call her uh something but she's like you know i go by people call me terrible trudy wasn't it or uh it was something with a t it was either terrible yeah. or terrifying I, yeah I, I i remember that i forget or treacherous it was treacherous yeah treacherous <laughs> trudy uh which is uh, just so great take me to your boss i felt so bad for her everyone was just like take me to your boss let me see your manager only talk to the one who's really in charge and i'm right. like man but hey she gets her revenge at the end right Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah so they they get to a spot where now they go to get uh mary as well they all show up and they end up getting a sort of compromise with rufus which he says i will let her go all i need is 50 grand plus the interest which is what you stole from me mm-hmm. and he says all of that can just be done by going and robbing a bank which they all kind of said at one point or another in the movie that they don't rob banks. And uh, so now they're having to kind of go back on their word. But we then get, correct me, I I didn't catch it on the second one, so I didn't write it down. What was the name of the town? Was it called White Town? I honestly forget. Yeah, I don't remember either. I thought it was something white related. I'll look it up, but I 
It, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, but so yeah, they go over to this the white town where literally every how every saloon, every place, it's all painted white, shades of white, shades of gray. All of the people there are white, and they're all wearing clothing that is also shades of gray and white. So again, huge symbolism there. Uh, very mm-hmm. funny, and uh, they go into this. They go into this place, you know, and she Cuffy's all. It's just hit Cuffy and Nat. And uh, they go in there and uh, to rob this bank. And she's like, and I love this whole scene too. She's like, I'd like to make a withdrawal. And they just start laughing at her. And they're like, I'm sorry. Like you, you need to have an account to make a withdrawal. But again, that, that whole, so many layers on all of these different pieces in the movie. And so, you know, it's like, they're laughing at her. Cause you know, the whole assumption of, oh, she's black. She doesn't have an account, but also of like, you don't have an account with us. So how, you know, we would know if you had an account because everyone in this town is white, but she's like, not that kind of withdrawal. And then, you know, it takes a couple <laughs> extra minutes to get it. Think that right. kind. And it was like, oh, <laughs> let's go. And so then oh. they're, they're going. And even there, we see her very quickly almost become the damsel in distress, but not for Cuffy because that yeah. guy goes to grab her. And I was like, oh, great. But then she just elbows him and then whips him around. And she's like, I'm not messing around. She was just, yeah. she was intimidating for her size, which was awesome to see. And yeah, he, they're, they're great in that whole bit. What'd you think of the whole, the whole uh, bank robbery? I thought it was great. And I think this is really where Cuffy and then Bill, because Bill was in that scene too. Uh, Lawrence from Twilight. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, or, no, no, no. Okay, He, he I, wasn't I with the robbing scene. It was just the two of them, yeah. but maybe it was a little bit before. Okay, never mind. I'm thinking about a later later in the movie, but. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I would definitely say, like, yeah, this is where I'm like, oh, she's just so great. And it was just so funny, too, because it's like, she's black. She's a woman. And you, right. like, people were like, why the heck are you here? So I thought that was great too. And I think it was really ballsy move. He's just catching everybody off guard like that. Well, and that was the, that was the whole plan. That was the only way that it was going to work. And it was so yeah. smart for that too. And they, you know, he's even talking with them too. I love that. He tells the one guy, he's like, all right, exhale. Uh, it's okay. And he says that twice in the movie. He tells that uh, other guy too. He's like, exhale. Like, I know you're not going to shoot me. I think maybe uh, is a Cherokee bill. He might be the one that says that, but um, okay. he, you know, he does it. And then he says, you know, what the heart, the hardest part about robbing banks he's like it's not the robbing the bank that's the easy part it's not killing anybody (laughs) (laughs) like he has such a way with words but then you know he was at that point where i think he kind of knew that his at that point knew that his life was over because Mm -hmm. he's like i again i've not i'm not a bank robber but if i go do this you know, maybe people won't know, but also people are probably going to know. And so as he leaves, he takes his hat off and says, and I'm Nat Love. And I was like, what? Like, come on, man. Like you, you could have gotten away with this, but again, he's got this mindset that like, if he's going to be a villain, might as well let everybody know it. And yeah, I, but, it, but it worked out so perfectly with the ending for it because you know no one's gonna ever find that love again unless they go to the cemetery but uh i just love that and so then yeah they ride off and i loved it too because again it was like this would have been the scene in any other movie where the heist goes wrong right where she does get captured or somebody shoots somebody and they mess up but it was like nope this is just basically an interlude where we go get the money and now we have the money and that's all that there is to it. And they couldn't have made it look easier. And then they're all just staring at all the bags of money and they're like, well, what are we going to do now? And uh, so they have to kind of come up with a plan, which uh, I really like their plan. 
Yes, it was. Oh my gosh, that was so great. They go back, right? At this point, they're back. Yeah, so they they head back, and Mm -hmm. then then they go back to Redwood City because now they're saying, okay, Mm -hmm. we're going to trade them. The plan is to trade the money for Mary. Mm -hmm. And this was where the movie got slow for me. Was this this portion of it? Not necessarily when they get to town, but there's some moments between Mary and Regina King. Again, can't complain when Regina King's on screen. But at the same time, I was like, come on, like we, we just saw some chatting before. Let's get to like the next yeah, scene. Like- but but it was necessary. And I think you start to establish a relationship between Trudy and Mary that there's a lot of animosity between the two of them. I think partially because Mary is this very successful businesswoman and Trudy is essentially a lackey, but could be what what Mary is kind of in the same way as like the two women in passing where it's just you know there's this sort of slight jealousy but at the same time Trudy's got the leg up so she's the one who's in power and is kind of rubbing that in so like I said fine scene I just that's where I was kind of feeling the length of the movie right I I agree I think that's when I was so ready just to see the final showdown at that point but I get it like wanting to have more of like a woman-centric like scene yeah um and which is fair but i was just ready to get like that final resolution but yeah 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 and you know and we missed this bit too to talk about that when they first go into town jim and cherokee bill meet up and he tries to get him to fight him (laughs) and he says uh i'm gonna go get a drink (laughs) and he walks inside he's like wait what where are you going uh and i i just i loved that i was like cool man good just walk away like this guy's a hot shot don't even bother with him but uh doesn't he he says something too or maybe he says it in the second time they meet where he was saying it's not about who's it's it's not all about the fastest it's who's dead or something like that and i was like that doesn't make sense but then the second time i watched i was like it actually makes a lot of sense because you could be so fast but if you die you're done so that you know that makes a lot of sense but yeah so they show up back in town and uh, I loved this too. This was another great camera, some camera work of uh, Nat's on one end. And I, okay, it's, it's N-A-T. Do, they don't call him Nate, do they? I think it's Nat. Oh, that's what I thought too. I just, I keep saying it and I keep thinking of Natasha and I'm like, <laughs> he's a guy. But uh, so there, so he's on the one end of the town on his horse mm-hmm. and Rufus is on the, uh, in his house. And, and this is now giving me the flashback too of when Rufus first comes into Redwood City and he's like saddled up and his horse turns a little bit and then the entourage comes, the music starts and it says Redwood City as they all just like slowly start walking in. I was like, that is so cool. But uh, we get this bit where it does a really long zoom from Rufus's point of view towards Nat. Mm-hmm. And then it flashes back to Rufus and it does quick cuts of closer, closer, closer. And I was just like, so unique to show two different ways of zooming in in a sense uh Mm -hmm. with the camera and it just it really felt like they had fun with the cinematography in this movie and it really showed because even in that spot like when they're doing the show the the final showdown between jim and uh, bill uh you see their shadows and it's like them stand like the camera's up above and it's their shadows tracked out on the ground while like so many cool shots on here um but yeah i really wanted to call that out uh and then that's when kind of all hell breaks loose so Bass Reeves is with Cherokee's like, oh, you got your money. And Bass says, walk with me. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no. And he's just like, 
chit-chat with him, you know, oh, we're going to talk about the rules of engagement on this one. And then the, the, the stagecoach blows up and he's like, what, what's going on? And he's like, yeah, not a big deal. Uh, mm-hmm. But then everyone starts showing up and, and a lot of different fights slowly start breaking out because obviously no one's going to listen to each other, right? You know, we, we thought that this was going to be an easy switch and they even say it like he's not going to let us live. So we need to have a secondary plan. Uh, what did you think of the whole plan of putting uh, dynamite in the the trailer with the money? I, uh, I I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was I thought it was great, um, and I knew that we're gonna get way more. I knew that they may not necessarily kill anybody, but it's a good like okay, this is what's going to really set off this this last battle. And it was a really really long battle, but yeah. I think they gave everyone their moment. Honestly, my favorite. And this is what the scene I was talking about. Like Bill taking like those high shots, like from the top of yes. like, and honestly, I don't know, like if you picked up on this, that town looked like I could just like push over like a piece of cardboard in the whole. Yep. It just like it looked like I such think a the, I think that was by set. design because yeah. it was again, this movie is very and, and that's what I loved about it was it was like it was such an anti-Western. Yeah, of like, okay, we're turning everything on its head, which would make a lot of sense of like, it doesn't matter what these buildings are. It's just the old buildings. So yeah, yeah. they all look, I felt that same way. They all look like they're about to topple. Yeah, it looked like it was a set. So something it kind of took me out of the battle at some points. Um, but I thought it was great. I mean, Bill was like my favorite in this scene. Just popping like, shots. And then just, Anna, he was like the only one really like taking, trying to focus on like was constantly yeah. in other people's defense um same with Cuffy so it was I mean I was just literally heartbreaking to see him, see him go and like Cuffy's reaction and everything was just so sad but um because you can tell like especially after like the reactions to the death it's like truly a family their dynamic was so tight um and the fact that they're doing all this for like kind of not to get revenge um I think just like says a lot to their their dynamic, even though they were all very, very different. Um, but it was a very entertaining. And I think, you know, between like Zat, like Zaz, now I'm, now I'm super subconscious. <laughs> Sassy. Sassy getting her like moment with Regina King. Oh, um, oh, yeah, let's dive, let's dive in them. Cause I, I wanted, I have got little notes on all of the fights. And the first one was, um, well, I guess they didn't fight right away because my first thing I have on here is, uh, oh yeah, hits him on. Th- I said hits him on three cheater. Uh, yeah. So the first showdown that we get is uh, Bill and, and right. Is it Bill or is it Jim? Cherokee Bill and Jim. Jim, Jim, Jim. Yes, yeah. So Bill and Jim, uh, and he's like getting exactly what he wants. He says, "All right, on five or countdown from five. and he freaking unloads his gun. And he makes a big deal out of it, grabs the one bullet that he's already engraved that says Cherokee Bill on it, puts it into his gun, and he's counting down five. And then, you know, dance. And I was like, dude, come on. And, uh, but then when he gets, he gets to three and he gets shot right in the face. And I don't blame him. Cherokee Bill says, "I, I hate when they are slow at counting. And I was just like, 
but but again it makes total sense because that was his like achilles heel was that he was so arrogant and so confident in what he can do that yeah he would lose on on his high horse like like that. in the real in the real world this is not just like practice or this is not just fun exactly i mean i would have done the same thing i would have been like yeah. this kid is an absolute snot i'm just gonna fire this one off right now i don't care and yeah and i love too that uh what was it because that was kind of that's what set everything off because they were at the point of uh mary had kind of been released and uh or was at the point of being released and so you know they're screaming no and so then bill fires one off at the at the stagecoach and blows all of the money up and yeah. they're all just like what and the other the bad bill is like oh you've got to be kidding me and kind of runs away and so then that triggers everything and so the yeah. first fight that we're, we'll talk about is the mary trudy fight which i said epic mary trudy fight she mm-hmm. chased it well first off i was gonna say she chases him into the barn but she's firing shots off at her she's on the back of a body but she's also about to get shot and uh cuffy comes out of nowhere and fires off two perfect hits into the people next to her she uses that body as a shield and then trudy runs out of ammo and runs into this barn mm-hmm. and we get into this barn and same thing mary's unloads her rifle rounds cocks it back up throws it down and they just have a hand-to-hand well she's got her little uh switchblade knife that's on a chain too felt yes. a lot like uh Ling in uh yes. <laughs> throwing it around oh man the the music starts going oh Oh, and i loved it too the way she just sits there dead and goes let's go and i was like oh uh okay i did you laugh at all i i I chuckled i felt so bad for zassi for for did you see how much hay was in her hair yes i was like oh no i like that couldn't have been fun for her to get all of that out i was like oh man and it even cut to another scene where she didn't have as much in it so i was like okay she's probably getting help but i was just like that, that'd be brutal like trying to have a serious fight with somebody and all this stuff's in your hair oh yeah. man but that fight uh, like i said brutal fight yeah oh man that was so good i mean and then like regina king too because it's just like uh, I mean, any action scene that she does, I think is really great. But um, I realized, you know, for her, a lot of times we see her like fighting guys. So it was cool to see her like fighting another woman and kind of just seeing what that dynamic looked like. Mm-hmm. It was they were great- evenly matched. They were yes. they were good. I mean, that whole bit where she throws uh, Mary throws the horseshoe and it just goes right next to her and she just goes and then like gets oh, yeah. so mad at her and I was like, oh no, she did. I don't think she took her seriously at first because she's like, oh, club owner, whatever. Right, like, right. Not a match for me, and she really was able to stand stand for herself. So that was really great. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that that whole fight was good. Do we? We don't ever see an ending to that fight though. Do we? I'm trying to remember how. Did, what does she do to her? She just ends up because she she has a little secret at the very end of the movie. But I'm trying to remember. I know she at one point. I think she's like choking Trudy out on the ground, but then they're kind of fighting each other. I'm just trying to remember because she ends up getting away at one point, right by the end of it. I, I think we don't did see she anything. Kill Trudy didn't. He killed Trudy. I don't think with what. I. I don't I, think we ever see her die. I'm almost positive we do, but here I'll check. <laughs> You're gonna pull the movie up? Yeah, I had it because the I... power of Netflix, everybody, is that we can right. we can live fact check ourselves. Uh, so while Maya is doing that, we will dive into the next bit of this, which I uh, 
and and remind you this entire time rufus buck is just standing by the window watching all of this unfold outside in his town and you can just see the look on his face as he just gets more and more frustrated uh and it's it's a he idris elba does such a good job in this movie of he's really not in it that much but the scenes that he has are so powerful and the, the looks that he give are, gives are so good. And we get to the spot where uh, I just have in really big font, I wrote Bass Reeves with an exclamation point. And I said, because his gunshots were so distinct, they were yes. so much louder and deeper than the others. And it's like, those are those Bass Reeves gunshots. And he is just, he's got pistols. He's not even looking. And he is just killed killed you're dead you're dead you're dead just firing off these giant shots and i was just i was blown away and, and same with nat he's doing the same thing he's firing off every shot's hitting we're seeing them take down so many villains and the so many bad guys uh but then nat gets shot in the shoulder and so he falls down mm-hmm. at the same time too um bill gets shot from up high and he ends up getting back at the guy. He gets him right in his, his eyeglass, which was greater, his uh, scope on his rifle, shoots right through it and hits the guy right in the eye. But he's now injured as well. Uh, Nat's down on the ground. But we see the shot from Nat was not from someone in the town. It is from those Crimson Hood people from the very beginning. But it is from the guy from the white town because he says, exhale. And uh, I was like, <laughs> oh, man. But it was so funny because they're sitting there hiding behind the... Uh, the stagecoach just trying to like oh you know what are we going to do and they're just like you know what we're just gonna go and they both go back out or after a couple of shots and they kill every single one of those hooded guys <laughs> and it was just like bam 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 um oh, oh just he pulls the one guy off the horse and then just shoots him right in the head on the ground just ultimate retribution it was it was great that felt very tarantino but in the same way again it was it was just the fact that there were so many deaths in such a short amount of time that they're firing all these off and it was really nice to see no one die on the good obviously you know jim dies towards the beginning but it was nice to see these guys feel invincible as they're going through here true to life superheroes in the old west mm-hmm. and i think what i really loved about like because i feel like bass breeze he's like the only historical figure like i actually knew of beforehand obviously right. like I mean, even just like from history class and stuff growing up. So I just felt like he really brought that authority to, yeah, Mm -hmm. like I'm this really recognizable, well-known historical figure. And I'm just going to like bring all that to it. Like you said, the precision with his shots, just like how strategic he was. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. Speaking of strategic, uh, the last fight that we have is, uh, well, Cuffy is uh, she's at some spot. We don't really see what's going on, but I think uh bill upstairs is getting overrun a little bit and she fires off and i love this too two shots camera zooms in on her yes. two more shots camera zooms in more two more shots camera zooms in and then the entire roof falls through and those guys then fall into the ground and die i was just like so she's shooting shots into the roof to knock people down and so then she ends up inside the saloon bill comes down and we see that bill actually didn't get injured he uh had his his coin and he got shot with his coin and the minute that he acknowledges that he got shot with his coin he gets shot in the back by cherokee bill which was a huge shock completely took me off guard but made total sense because multiple times in the movie we were called on cherokee bill of him shooting people in the back and teasing him for shooting people in the back i don't think we ever actually saw it but he does it and 
he uh, turns him around and saying like, oh, you know, don't blah, blah, blah. Like some, I don't even remember what he says, but he says something in, in like a Native American language and don't regret this or you're going to have bad karma in the afterlife. And I'm like, dude, you are going to have bad karma for what you just did. And Cuffy right. calls it out. She says, you're going to shoot me in the back too or cheat the count. And I was just <laughs> like, you are such a badass. And so she pulls her thing aside. She's got her gun and who wins? Of course, Cuffy does because she already knew who was the fastest shot because she was looking in the mirror. I, I love that scene. It literally looked like Cuffy's eyes were about to just pop out of her skull. Oh, yes. It was like this whole entire time. was so intense. and it, yeah. But it made sense. I mean, I what, you got to think, like, when's the last time she was in a fight like this? Probably not for a really long time. And uh, she's putting all her skills to the test. Not only that, but she's literally having to prove herself, not just in front of all the guys, but from these claims that she's kind of made throughout the movie that she's not to be messed with. And we're seeing why, because mm-hmm. she's an absolute, you know, a threat in that sense to anyone who tries to mess with her. Um, okay. But yeah, so that uh, was devastating, but I'm glad, you know, Cherokee Bill is done and he kind of walks out and everyone's looking at him and, you know, she walks out triumphant, which was great. And so mm-hmm. now at this point, everybody's dead except for Rufus. Oh. And Trudy, you're right. I just like zoomed through. I don't think yep. we see her. I don't think die. we see her die. So there's probably going to be a second one. I don't know. <laughs> like her trying to get revenge or something like that. Because, yeah, she did not die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, which is interesting. So the question then remains what happened? Did she get let go by? Because I would imagine that uh, Mary probably wouldn't have let her out alive, but yeah. somehow she got away. Uh, yep. So now we get to. Uh, the biggest Ooh. revelation of this movie and probably one of the biggest twists you might see in the cinema this year or, or on your couch, uh, which is uh, Nat goes to confront Rufus Buck and there he is. And he starts, I wrote a couple of his lines down because they were just so powerful. He starts by saying, my father was not a good man. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of explaining how he came to be Rufus Buck. And he said, essentially says, you know, my father uh, was very, uh, not just abusive to my mom, but was kind of a sleaze and, and, and you know, did whatever he wanted. He, he was killed, a villain. He, he mentioned he killed his mother too, like she, something like that. She tried to protect him and then she tried yeah, to protect and, him and then she was gone. And then she was gone. But then he also says that then he left and he left her, he left him with his mom. So I don't know if that meant, you know, her dead body or, okay. or what, but he, uh, his father essentially abandoned him. And so mm-hmm. this entire time he has spent the exact same way that Nat has spent searching for his father to get revenge on his father. And he says, you know what? I found my father and he, he completely turned his life around. He was a good man. He, you know, believed in God. He went to church. He had a new family and he even had a son. And I just, he's like, you know, I don't even think he says that, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't stand it, but he says, and then I, you know, I killed him. And as this is going on, Jonathan Majors, his eye, you can tell the tears are about to come in his eyes and just that perfect acting. And he's, you know, kind of shaking his head at this point, like, no. And then he says, you're a buck, you're a buck just like me. And he says, my dad changed his last name from buck to love and we get the reveal that they are brothers and Mm -hmm. it's 
it's per, it's absolutely perfect again like every scene in this movie when you if you watch it a second time it all ties in it all leads up to this and he says uh he says you you know you're a buck just like me and he's like no i'm not he's like look what you've done you've done the same thing that i've been doing this entire mm-hmm. time he says but he says but you're gonna and i just hated this because it was so hard to watch in in the best sense like give these men the you know give them the academy award of he, he says but you're going to surpass me because I couldn't kill my brother. And I was just like, Oh, the flashback of him not killing his brother. And uh, you know, he even explains too at one point, I don't think he says it in this scene. He says it earlier when he says, you know, do you know why I put that scar on your face? And he says, yeah, duh. So that I'd never forget you. And he's like, no, no, that's not why it's so that I would recognize you when, you know, whenever you come. And Mm -hmm. so he knew, but I just, that, that line of, you know, you're going to surpass me. And then he says, he just keeps telling him because he's at this point taking it back. No, you're lying. Absolutely nice. He says, take your revenge. Uh, mm-hmm. Take your revenge. Uh, Nathaniel Buck, take your revenge. And he, yeah. and then he does, and he shoots him multiple times. And it's the only way that it could have ended. And it was still so sad that it had to end that way because you're like, like, how many questions he must have for his brother and, and all of the, you know, revelations of realizing all of this. I mean, it's essentially the, the fame. They don't tell this story often, but it's the guy who's in search of something for his whole life and gets there and finds out that it's the exact opposite of what he was expecting. And, you know, it's that huge twist. And now in one of the best lines of the movie, when he walks out and Mary says, is the devil dead? And uh, he says, I don't know. And it's just, he is the new Rufus Buck. And it's not because he killed Rufus Buck. It's not because he's a bad guy. It's because he's his brother. And he literally is the same person as him. It's just that you've been looking at him in this good light. And it just, just uh, tell me what you felt about this, Maya. Because yeah, this, this was a very emotional scene. I think it just like the idea that I was, I was feeling like if Nat were to walk away, he would break the cycle. A history of violence with his father and who tried to make a better life, but ultimately killed by the son. And then obviously Nat kills Rufus. And it was just like, when I talk about like, you know, they say like, you know, history repeats itself. It's almost like, you know, that same history and violence just being circulated. And it's to the point where Obviously, the, the father tried to make a better life for himself. Obviously, he was a horrible person that, you know, the guy he ran with who became a priest. Um, and it's just like they all try to become better people. But, you know, just like this endless cycle of seeking revenge when, you know, people could have gotten better within their life. It just keeps the cycle of hurt and trauma and violence going. So, I think when he says like he didn't know because yeah the devil wasn't dead it just transferred to you yeah and and I remember like kind of having like this debate with a few people like oh he's he's breaking generational trauma no he's perpetuating it he's continuing it because I think that you know it was interesting when I when I saw that they were like putting crosses down like after that scene I'm thinking, oh, did he make one for his brother? No, he made one for Jim, which is weird because so many people got killed. Like, (laughs) we're going to bury Bill, bury, you know, all that. But um, it was for Jim, his mom, and his dad. 
nothing about Rufus. So it's like, again, like there's no sort of, it didn't really feel like there was like a resolution or a lessons learned. Um, granted, I mean, hopefully he won't make the mistake of, same mistake of trying to like kill somebody. I mean, he, I mean, killed multiple people, but I just don't think, I felt like he was perpetuating that, that cycle of violence within his family. Um, and I think a lot of the times it's the resolution for films is we see them learn the lesson, we see them break the cycle, but this was not that type of movie. Um, and even though we very much sympathize with Nat, he wasn't able to break out that shell. But I mean, that's decades and decades of hurt and trauma. It's just like, it's really hard to walk away from it. And he tried to, he really tried to. And I'm like, yes, walk away, walk away. But, you know, it just, it's almost like a rite of passage. Take your revenge, take your revenge. So he couldn't, he couldn't see past it. And that's what happens when you spend like your whole life kind of like dedicating yourself to revenge. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's a really interesting point that you make. Because see, I, I saw it as they leave it open ended, right? Because mm-hmm. him him saying that he doesn't know is the indication that maybe he closed the loop. Maybe he isn't going to close the loop. But mm-hmm. I, I think if anyone could close the loop, it would be him. And in my opinion, I think he did by killing mm-hmm. his brother, by killing the entire gang. There's no one else. There's no one else for him to chase after. There's mm-hmm. no one else that's going to chase after him because his he is now presumably taking the buck name because he buried himself in that cemetery he put nat love on the the tombstone so i don't know whether he's oh it was nat love yeah i don't know why i thought it was his his dad's name okay oh yeah yeah yeah. no 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 so yeah that was his own tombstone so to me i took that as he was burying that old person who is the and and i guess that that's my thought on it so he 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 buries himself he buries the nat love that wanted revenge and now he's going to be uh, Nathaniel Buck. And Nathaniel Buck is this new person who has no enemies. He has no one that he's got out for revenge. And he knows who he is now. He knows he has a brother that died. He knows he had a father and mother that were taken from him. But there's, he has no, no, nothing else to get. So he has the opportunity now to live his life, to, to marry Mary, and just be you know, on a ranch the rest of his days. Whether he actually does that or not is yet to be seen because he could easily go the unforgiven route with uh, Clint Eastwood where, you know, he's older and gets pulled into something else where he becomes a killer again. And then, yeah, no, he didn't break the cycle. But I I see what you mean, because it's kind of like the chicken and the egg thing where like, yeah, you're breaking the cycle, but you broke it by perpetuating it and killing another person. So it's a really fascinating. and, And again, how else could they have told it? Right. Like if it was just a regular Joe Schmo then there wouldn't have been a good answer to it. And you would have very well been like, he's going to kill someone else. You probably will. But when it's his brother, I feel like there's, there's, he was impacted so much by that, that he has an opportunity for, but we'll see. Um, Cause yeah, I agree. You know, he, it's that same argument with someone who's a soldier or, you know, any of those things, what do you do when you can't kill anymore? Right. Like now you're just going to chill on your farm for the rest of your life. Do you think you can do that? Or are you going to get antsy? and want to go rob a bank or something so that part's yet to be seen but we do see the final scene of the movie is a figure standing in the distance watching them ride away uh holding a certain hat a certain hat that's worn by trudy yes that's so, what it was okay. yeah so yeah our last okay, that's what the trudy. conclusion was yep so she is alive uh, though alive. you know yet to be seen as to 
if they're going to make another movie, I don't think they need to, but if they wanted to, they totally could. Like you said, I think that would be a great exploration of like, you know, what do you do when, you know, fast forward seven years or whatever, where him and Mary are together, they have a child and Trudy is now the new crime boss and she mm-hmm. threatens the family, blah, blah, blah. But that's the film. And uh, like I said, uh, yeah. There, okay, when one correction, I completely had to rewatch that scene. It was Bill, Jim, and then his own tomb. I, I okay. completely space on whose name was on what tombstone. But no Rufus. But yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, no yeah, no Rufus. Yeah, no Rufus, which is, and I feel like him reclaiming that name. So yeah, we definitely have like, I could see both sides of that for sure. And I, I like kind of how open-ended it's left. Mm-hmm. But I also love that we end with Cuffy being oh, named yes, I have that down. like the deputy. He's deputized. And I just think that's so powerful because like like her as like a queer woman still trying to find her place. I'm a woman, but I have all these interests. You know, I like shooting guns. I like to protect. I like to ride with like, you know, the other cowboys. Um, and like for her to like kind of feel out of place to now have like a place in society like a role where she's able to kind of like take on that passion and like in like everyday world where everyone is able to kind of like find their place and have like a career or job or whatever they want to dedicate their life to like that being accessible to her like as a queer woman I think that was that was great I I love that and the fact that she earned it too that it wasn't just given to her that he's made and it's freaking bass reeves who's giving this to her like yeah. who else would he have ever do this but he's he's looking at her like well shoot i saw you you know you're pretty fast you know what you're doing you can handle yourself i want you on my team like that was just the coolest message and i love the way that she responded with it too where she was like yeah i'll be a you know a sheriff deputy type marshal whatever you want to call it and he's, yeah. he's like yeah that's great but yeah no that's that's good that was the last call out i had on here was i just love that that yeah that was great ah so yes did that did they fall harder i think so i think uh every i mean especially rufus he definitely hit the ground real hard on that last one as both for nat and uh in the scene uh what a movie and uh this will be the last thing that we'll actually add one other thing we'll talk about so we're not done yet Uh, i was telling you before we recorded uh there was a weird little list i found of the top films on netflix uh and so we're gonna do a little round robin and see if any of these are better than the harder they fall maya are you ready sure so are you able to tell me where the harder they fall like rank Oh, is it like an over This isn't it. It's not in it. It's not in the series. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, this might have been before the movie. It's probably before the movie came out. Gotcha. Uh, so this for, I haven't seen this movie. I'm thinking of ending things. Did you see that one? No. Okay. Uh, to all the boys I've loved before. Oh, yeah. I, I've I seen saw that one. Not doesn't need to be on that list. Uh, the Irishman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Long, but I, I still enjoyed it. It was a good yeah, movie. Yeah, great movie. Uh, <laughs> Harder They Fall was better. Yeah. Uh, here's one though i'd say tricky dolomite is my name i i still never saw it <laughs> oh i loved it movie. was good yeah uh, it was really good this is definitely one of my favorite netflix movies i i, I think i'd still say hardly fall a little higher up uh marriage story okay i love marriage story really that's like- the only so i have both that and harder they fall i have nine as a nine dolomite has an eight uh but right. i still was like if i had to pick between which of the those two movies to watch yeah i'd watch harder they fall yeah the five bloods 
Okay. I felt like the first two thirds of that movie was so blah. The last third yes. of that movie was phenomenal, but yeah. first two I kind of dragged. Yeah, it was long. It was long. Yeah. Uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines. It's an animated movie. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it either. I'm looking at names here though. Whoa. Danny McBride, Eric Andre, Maya Rudolph. Could mm-hmm. be good. Uh, Okja. Did you ever see that one? No, I didn't. It's like she like it was good. Her, like elephant looking thing yep yeah yeah it was a good movie but yeah no not not in that realm roma that's the last one oh really so those are the ones they think are are the top 10 i would probably put heart of the fall above those yeah i would and i am surprised what happened to monday isn't on that list that was probably one of the ones i love definitely in my top five netflix movies what happened to monday yeah you haven't heard of it i haven't heard of it it was um, i would say maybe 28 2017 maybe hmm. if i remember correctly it's it's a good movie okay. i don't yeah i don't want to spoil anything but i would have put that up there. is that just like based on that ranking or is that based on like views and stuff i don't even know it's it's probably based on opinion i mean in the the 10th yeah. one that they had on here was the 13th by ava duvernay okay gotcha. but i'm not counting that because it's a documentary gotcha, so yeah. It doesn't, yeah it doesn't count so i don't know how they make their list but yeah so yeah i would agree it's probably one of netflix best movies that they've put out but i hope that this is a signal that more great netflix movies will come that maybe will knock it off its perch or sit up there with it because i'm tired of the the six is mine i'm tired of these easy yes. you know easy cash grab movies they're not even cash grabs because we're already paying for the service like just exactly just make it good yeah so, make, yeah no, I, i'm 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 looking forward to that too just put higher quality like i can i know i can go to hbo and find like a series or like a movie that i'm gonna love i can't see the same about netflix i'm just infinitely scrolling so yes yes, yes. i'm excited for them to invest in bigger projects with you know nice cast like this and you know spending a little bit more time on the storytelling and maybe i mean it seems like netflix does a good job of letting the filmmakers run the show yeah but at the same time i'm like that can't be right because is every filmmaker just like oh it's a netflix movie we can just kind of breeze through it because clearly there are some ones on here like the spike lee movie and and alfonso Cuarón's movie and all this where they're putting their work into it and Mm -hmm. they're good movies but there's also a lot of them on here that aren't so it's like Maybe that's just the way that things are because there are good and bad movies that come out in theaters too that are Netflix movies. So you just kind of got to, hey, either way, they're all free if you've got a Netflix subscription. So uh, enjoy them while you got them. Uh, Maya, last thing, we've got uh, No Way Home coming up in uh, uh, 17 short days, technically 16 at this point since this day is almost over. Uh, Any any thoughts on it? Any speculation? And we haven't talked about it yet. Anything you're looking forward to? I really want to see Toby and Andrew. Me too. Even if it's just a little, just <laughs> tiny scene, I want to see it. I'm really looking forward to just like seeing Doctor Strange and uh, Peter interact, even if I, I know it's probably going to be more so kind of like a conflict-driven relationship in the movie. But I mean, I just, I'm a huge fan of like the first two like original Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. and um so just kind of just seeing some of you know those villains collide um is going to be uh very exciting and i got my tickets just despite all the drama Did yeah you get your- 
I did. I did. I I was lucky that I didn't have to go through that drama. Uh, David hooked me up. He he took care of the tickets. Apparently, he was on till two a.m. Yeah, uh, but I've got I got IMAX tickets. I was I felt so bad for him too because he said uh, the you know, what it's a Cinemark or something. It's not AMC. So like I have the AMC Stubbs thing. I get the free movies, uh, and I think he has something through Cinemark uh, where okay. he gets the free movies. But he said the way that the website was working and the app, he couldn't utilize his his thing. So he had to pay for his own ticket too. And I was like, oh man, but it's going to be worth it. So we'll be seeing it IMAX Thursday at seven. Uh, I've got the day off on Friday. So I'm probably at some point I'm going to see it on Friday. I'm thinking maybe Friday morning, but I haven't bought that ticket yet. I'm not worried. Uh, but mm-hmm. then uh, Lisa and I are going to go see it on Saturday. And uh, we're, we got that to a nice seat. Uh, which was fine. I, I was shocked though, comparatively to Shang-Chi and the Eternals. This is looking like it's going to be really big. And I, I have been a naysayer. Uh, I haven't said it publicly, but I have said it privately uh, that I don't think this movie is going to make a billion dollars. But as the days roll on and these things happen, I really think that if any movie has a chance of it, it's going to be this movie. Uh, but yeah, very excited. Really looking forward to it. And again, I hope, I hope Toby and Andrew are in it as well. I'm literally good squill. So mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be fun. And so um, for those of you listening as well, uh, some of our things to look forward to. I am going to be doing an episode, uh, still kind of finalizing who is going to be on the episode right now. But I'm doing a Spider-Man saga episode. Uh, I'm actually going to be rewatching all the Spider-Man movies. I have not seen the Toby trilogy and Garfield uh, two movies in like probably since uh, the last Garfield movie came out. So it's been a long time, uh, but we'll be, I'll talk about those and the Holland movies and rank them all. Cause like I said, it's been a long time. So we'll see if they've, they stand the test of time Uh, along with that too. uh, I think I I may do it as a separate episode, but we're, we're about to hit episode 200 and I was going to do a quick little thank you and call out as to, you know, where, where the podcast stands and where it's going. So got some exciting things. Also, I'll be teasing it in the Spider-Man episode, but we've got a Spider-Man comics episode uh, coming later in the month with some interesting story arcs that I've heard may tie into this movie. But uh, for comics and cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein, Maya. So thank you so much for joining. It is always a pleasure to have you on. Yes, thank you, Alex, for having me. Yeah, of course. And we will see you all at the movies. (laughs) 